I think digital transformation is better thought of um, being open to doing new things and to rethinking how you operate your business. And, and if, if digital transformation is a helpful framework for people to think about it, and I've certainly used that terminology too, um, that's great, but, um, but it's really about being open to new things. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyan, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction innovation and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. My guest today is Matt Clayman. He's the co-founder and CEO of Cumulus Digital Systems and an IoT platform that spun out from Shell's TechWorks division and was named to CNBC's Upstart 100 list of the brightest, most intriguing startups. Matt has an extensive background in technology and energy. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to this conversation for sure. Uh, so before we really dive into it, how did you get into the construction industry? Sure. Uh, a bit of a winding road. I was originally in aerospace. Uh, and I was working at a company called Draper Laboratory here in uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, that does guidance and control systems for aircraft and spacecraft. And after the Deepwater Horizon uh, disaster in 2010, a bunch of uh, energy companies came to us uh, at Draper and wanted to learn how to build, uh, build systems that operate in challenging environments safer and operate them safer. And so started doing that for a couple of years. Eventually, was hired by Shell to start Shell TechWorks, as you mentioned in the intro. And there, I started to really focus on capital construction in the energy industry and ways uh, ways to make it both safer, uh, more uh, environmentally um, fit, and more environmentally friendly, and more productive. And that's how I really started to to get into the construction world. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I always love kind of picking the brains of, of people that have been in another industry and come into construction. What does construction need to learn from aerospace? One of the, the, the biggest, the most valuable things that we brought from the aerospace world into industrial construction is a concept of systems thinking. Uh -huh. That is, when you take a complex system, whether it's an aircraft or an industrial facility or a wind turbine, whatever it might be, and, or a building, and you think about it not as a bunch of individual parts that have to come together, but as a, as a system that each element can affect all the other elements. So if you think about an aircraft, it's built, so the way, one of the ways we achieve such high safety standards in, in aerospace is that aircraft are built where you could have two, three, even four systems fail, and the aircraft is still able to fly and land safely. And that was not happening, at least in energy. Um, and, I, and I think it also applies to a lot of other areas of construction where the, everything was thought of as an individual component mm -hmm. so that you could have one system fail and uh, or not get built properly and the whole thing would fail. There was no ability to recover from, from a major problem. And that's why we have a lot of disasters like Deepwater Horizon fundamentally gets back to that. Um, and that actually is how we thought about Cumulus when we, when we spun that out of shell in 2018, we were identifying a system in construction where uh, there was a lot of digitalization around uh, the planning of construction projects. So whether it's for 45D models or, or your architecture drawings in CAD with Autodesk, whatever it might be. 
And then on the back end, there was a lot of digitalization around completions and understanding where you are in progress, uh, where you are in your project. But what would happen in the middle of that is all the digital information would go out uh, as uh, and be converted into paper to go work out in the field. And then that paper had to be converted back into the digital systems. And that's where there were a lot of mistakes that were being made, but they were largely invisible at the high level. Yeah. So have you started to see kind of those in in invisible mistakes becoming more visible um, it, through this digital transformation journey? And what does that kind of look like? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really a matter of when a worker, when a work order is generated uh, and somebody or a work package and somebody goes out to the field, uh, traditionally that would all be on paper, big binders or, or just relying on the skill or an experience of the workers uh, to go out and do it properly. And, and often uh, it wouldn't be done properly or the records would be lost. So when we digitalize that process of work in the field down to the granular level and then have an easy way to translate, to keep, to keep everything digital throughout the project, that el eliminates a huge amount of mistakes and it saves hours uh, of work uh, in the field. Yeah. Uh, how do you create those re really reliable systems to be able to be scaled? that can can operate in in these dangerous environments you know you mentioned with the the deep water horizon uh, there's some some very hazard uh, places on a construction job site how do you create those reliable systems yeah great great question um it's really balancing speed and testing and we found as we've built cumulus from a very small company just a few of us into where we are today uh we've we've gone back and forth as we've tried to optimize that so we, of course, want to deliver features and functionality quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, it's one thing to have a process where you're delivering a consumer app on the phone, on a phone where if something doesn't work properly, uh, you know, the worst that happens is you inconvenience the user. And right? you might get an annoyed customer, but it's an inconvenience as opposed to a system where if something goes wrong, uh, either somebody can get hurt or you could have a gas leak or, or something much more serious. So uh, we've had to learn to balance um, rigorous testing of, as it scales and build that into the process with the speed of execution that, that we demand as a startup. Mm -hmm. How do you know where that, that balancing point is? It's one, it's largely based on experience um, and two, it's defaulting to being safe, mm -hmm. um, making safety your default, not speed your default. Um, so, and, and there's been times when we've, we've hired developers, for instance, from outside of our industry who are not used to that. And that creates some friction. Uh, but you have to always remember that the systems that are being used are being used in critical industries. And, um, and while you don't want to become bogged down, like a, a stereotypical large government contractor that takes 10 years to get a new feature out, um, there's a balance there and to say, look, we're, we're going to make sure this is properly tested uh, in different environments before something goes out to the field, because we want to make sure our workers, the most important thing is that our users who are workers in the field um, are completing their work safely and, and getting home every day. Mm -hmm. So from your vantage point, what's some of the, what's some of the stumbling blocks and, and reasons that technology doesn't get adopted? In the field because you know there's there's so many companies that are, are sure. they're increasing the the amount of technology that they use but that might stay in the the office and it just does not translate or 
you know, yeah. the field's like, whatever, I'm not going to partake in this. You get something uh, that I've seen a lot is called pilot purgatory, where you just keep things in pilots. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they never get out of the pilot stage. Right. Um, I think there's a few different reasons um, to, to generalize why things don't work out. One is that systems are put in the field where the return on investment is very hard to quantify or it takes, it's not going to be quantified until the distant future. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember when I was in Shell, we would have companies come to us and say, effectively, we have this new data um, analytics platform. So give us all your data and maybe in six months, you'll start to see, uh, to see results. And one problem was, well, there was really no data because it was all on paper in people's heads. It wasn't in this nicely architected system. Mm -hmm. And two, something that may or may not deliver value six months from now, uh, it's hard to get people excited about. Uh, another problem that I've seen is that systems are try, try to go out and especially early on and try to solve too many use cases at once so that they become pretty generic mm. and not useful to the worker who is in the field who says, well, this doesn't really make my life easier because it's not really helping me. It's not tailored to whatever my specific job is. Mm -hmm. so, uh, to, so starting new systems to serve a niche is a really powerful adoption tool because you could optimize for that niche and then grow bigger beyond that. Uh, three, kind of what we were talking about with testing, things are buggy in the field. There's very little tolerance uh, for that in construction. Yeah. Uh, oh, something sure. doesn't work. Uh, people are just going to say, this is, you know, expletive, 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 throw it away and, and you've lost them. You're, you're not getting them back. Um, and then the final thing I would say, technology companies are not very good at supporting workers in the field when something does go wrong, um, especially larger companies. Uh, very much after the sale is done, there's then some sort of remote support framework. And if something goes wrong, we've, we've heard from, the, from our customers, it can be very hard to get support. So that's something we've done and other successful companies I've seen do is make sure that we're right there with our, our users and that they feel like we're in it with them. So that they, they, there's, there's an understanding that technology is new. It may not always work properly the first time, but as long as you're there with them through the process and they feel like they're not being abandoned, there's much more tolerance than if they have to call some remote support line overseas and may or may not get an answer uh, yeah. in a day or two. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'd love to kind of double click on, on that for a second. What's you were explaining it there, but what's the, the onus and the, the responsibility for the, the technology uh, to help in the adoption and implementation and kind of what is, what's tech getting wrong about construction? Um, a, a few things. One, the, the construction industry, so tech, uh, by and large, tech is used to selling either to other startups or other sophisticated buyers, like selling into an IT department, whether it's, you know, a better data security, a better, uh, sorry, sorry, cybersecurity solution, a better um, cloud hosting platform, whatever it might be, um, they're selling to sophisticated buyers who are used to buying uh, technology. Mm -hmm. Construction, while it's getting it's certainly gotten better over the past few years, they're still very new to buying technology. It's not there aren't established systems and processes for doing it. And once one area that comes up in pricing, uh, a lot of times construction companies don't know what they should be paying for, for new technology. They don't know, mm -hmm. 
they don't really understand what they're losing by not adopting technology because it's not that they're putting out a bid and saying, we're going to bid for this new system that we know we need. They're usually doing something in a completely analog way. And the technology company is coming in as an evangelist, so to speak, to say, look, there's a better way to do this. You can save either a lot of time, a lot of money, prevent accidents, uh, prevent injuries, whatever the, the value proposition might be. And, and you're an evangelist and you you have to help your customers through the process. There, it's not the same as selling software or other technology into somebody with an established technology buying process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's flip it on it's the other side of the mm -hmm. equation. How should a construction firm then really plan for a successful technology implementation? Yeah, great question. Um, what the biggest thing that we that would be that we see would be helpful uh, from our customers' perspective is to not think about new technology as I'm going to do it just because the company down the road is doing it or because somebody told me I have to digitalize my operations and therefore I'm going to find something that that answers this digital mandate from from the higher ups, but to actually think about a tailored, comprehensive strategy of understand your own business first. Where am I losing money? Where am I losing time? What's not going well? What's not optimized? So don't deploy technology just for the sake of deploying it. Hey, someone else is using a drone. I wouldn't use a drone too. Mm -hmm. But here are the three or four areas where I want to improve my business, uh, whatever those business metrics are. And now I'm going to find something and, and have a real comprehensive plan that solves those problems where the business results are the outcome, not the fact that we're deploying technology is the outcome. Bridging the Gap is powered by Graytech Group. As a global BIM and modeling expert, Graytech is dedicated to empowering construction and manufacturing professionals to digitize and industrialize their processes to improve performance and build a sustainable tomorrow. With more than 30 years in the industry, they know how to be your partner in a world where change is the new normal and always strive to enable their customers to gain an increased competitive advantage to model the future. Visit greatech-group.com for more information. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I want to lean into that a bit because I, I think that that's uh, very insightful but and a huge um, hurdle in, in construction yeah. is that there's there's so much work going on in construction just to build the buildings and everything that's happening on the job site that it, construction firms don't always do a, a great job of, of stopping and taking the time to map out their plan and, yeah. and really think through it. Um, a, are, are you saying that on, on your side too? And, and B, what then, if you are, what are some of the, um, what's some low hanging fruit that construction firms can kind of put in place to make sure that they are stopping and, and thinking out the plan. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're def we definitely see that. And there's two flavors uh, that we see. And, and not only to see it today, but when we were brought into Shell to kind of bring a fresh perspective to how the energy industry thought about things, certainly this, this was the case in spades. Um, two things that we see. One, either the construction companies are doing a lot of me too implementation. So just, hey, somebody implemented a technology 
um, I can, I, whoever the, the person is in the construction company can get credit for bringing this in and, and make, make a sexy demo, whatever it might be. And so, as I mentioned before, implementing technology for the sake of technology. Uh, the second thing they do is they, they bring in a consultant. We see a lot of that, especially on the industrial side, hire mm -hmm. one of the big consulting firms. We want to do a digital transformation. Again, it becomes doing a digital transformation for the sake of doing a digital transformation, not we're looking at where we're actually losing money or where we have an opportunity to be better. And then technology is a tool, not a strategy. Um, and it's a tool to achieve some business results. So we certainly see that a lot. Um, the best companies that we work with are those that understand what the business challenges they're trying to solve and they're implementing a new technology to solve that problem versus just to implement the technology. Yeah. Well, one of the things that uh, stood out it, as you were just talking there to me was uh, the digital transformation aspect of it. And yeah. also pairing it with the kind of the keeping up with the Joneses mentality of, of yeah. who's going to embrace yeah. the, the technology uh, because, you know, XYZ contractor down the street is, is using that same tech. Uh, what does digital transformation look like to you? What is that? I'll unpack that because it, it can be a big kind of buzzword. Obviously, I use it in my introduction of the, the podcast as well, too. But what uh, yeah. what does that really look like to you? I think digital transformation is better thought of um, being open to doing new things and to rethinking how you operate your business. Mm -hmm. And and if if digital transformation is a helpful framework for people to think about it, and I've certainly used that terminology, too, um, that's great. But, um, but it's really about being open to new things. And open to new things could be changing processes. It could be changing how you train your workers. It could be training how you manage your workers. Uh, the, the construction industry has a lot of areas where we need to improve. Uh, we have a lot of challenges coming up, especially around the management of labor with labor shortages and, and less experienced workers coming into the field because the gray hairs are, are retiring and not being replaced at the same rate. Uh, so we have a lot of challenges there, and um, and technology is is one important way we're going to solve it for sure. But it's not the only thing we're going to do. But if it helps get buy-in and and budget and, and and opens people's minds to doing doing new things and not having the old well we do it this way because that's the way we've always done it, which I'm sure you know you've seen it's, it's all over the place. We've never in our heard industry. that expression. <laughs> uh, if the digital transformation is a framework that helps people get over that, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. But the people who are actually responsible for implementing it need to understand that it's not doing digital for the sake of digital. It has to be for a broader, uh, more tangible business objective. Yeah. Yeah. I love bringing it back to what are you trying to accomplish with this? Is this the same with technology? It's the same with, with anything. If you're running your business well, you should always be circling back. Why, why are we doing this? You know, what, why are we doing this? Yeah, exactly. It's, what do we, what do we want to get out of it? And then if, if, if we're successful, what does step two, three, and four look like? You know, how do we get beyond just piloting something new? Who's ready to receive it? Going back to the analogy with a company, a technology company that's selling it to an IT department, mm -hmm. there's an established infrastructure. Okay. You pilot a product and then there's an infrastructure in place to receive that and implement that product. We don't have that in construction. We might have a, 
a digitalization office or, or a digitalization manager, or maybe an internal venture capital arm or something in our companies. And they're great at getting you to the pilot, but then they expect it's an amorphous, somebody else is going to be responsible for scaling it up and, and implementing it. Yeah. And, um, and, and that very often in fails, um, if that's not established up front, who, who's, who's in, who's going to take the baton and run with it. Yeah. No, that setting expectations is, is, is crucial because I think what can happen a lot is the, the expectation on the tech side is we're doing the pilot and then it's, you know, obviously going to be scaled and, and grown, but yeah. on the construction side, if nobody communicates that this is a, a pilot and then it right. needs to then be scaled, they think that the pilot is the end. That, that's, that's victory. Yeah. Right. You know, mission accomplished. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it works out just as well as mission accomplished did right. uh, <laughs> on the aircraft carrier. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, so what are some emerging trends, both in, in new tech and, and how um, is the, the end user adoption really changing and um, evolving in construction? So one of the biggest trends and maybe the flip side of the labor issue is just how open workers are to new technology. So I first started to deploy technology and construction um, in about 2012 is, is when I kind of moved into the construction space. So it's been 10 years now. In the early days, um, one, uh, especially on the industrial side, you wouldn't be allowed to bring mobile devices onto the field. That was just a big no-no. It was too dangerous, especially in processing facilities. Mm -hmm. But also the workers were incredibly skeptical of, of using any sort of technology, whether it's big brotherism or not wanting to learn something new or this is going to get in my way. As you have new generations of workers coming in, and we see this, we have customers all over the world, whether it's it, you know, in, 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 the Ameri in North America, in Europe, and we have customers in Africa and Asia. And we see this consistently that everybody is just used to having technology in their lives. Everybody's used to having a smartphone. So that's not the big deal in implementation anymore. Yeah. And, and I think that's something that the construction industry could lean into that, that worker adoption is always something you need to think about, but workers uh, the new generation of workers are much more open to to trying and doing new things, but they have to see they're very demanding on uh, on quality, on the companies being there with them. They want it to work as well as their iPhone or Android apps work for, in their personal lives, um, and 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 they want to see it actually make their their jobs better. Um, they don't want it. To, they're not excited when. It takes them longer or it's more difficult to do something, even if it might seem cooler or there's some amorphous benefit down the road. Um, but but the, the openness of the workforce to use technology is uh, night and day from when, when I started 10 years ago. Yeah. No, I more than uh, agree. I mean, a smartphone or uh, you know, a tablet is like, it's almost table stakes now. Like, why would we not have this uh, as... Right. The younger generations coming in. Um, so if, right. if that really isn't one of the, the big hurdles in, in implementation, like it, it used to be, what do you see as uh, kind of the, the next implementation hurdle? It, it's, it goes back to not having the internal processes set up to intake technology into these companies, to not being a sophisticated uh, procurer of technologies, to mm -hmm. 
to be doing a lot of uh, too many one-offs, too many, too many, too many things in pilot purgatory, too many zombie projects. Um, just not too many, as we said, you know, keeping up. As you, I love the term you use, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, just, just the the buyers of the technology, the the companies using technology, just have to put the processes in place to do it um, from beginning to end, uh, and that all goes back to having a business focus. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, what's the the next step in the industrialization of construction? Um, I think the next step one, we're moving towards modular buildings, which is, you know, creating effectively assembly lines for construction. And we're seeing that uh, whether, you know, across markets, residential, commercial, industrial, um, that's that's happening. But then the big problem is, uh, it, you know, we're, we're coming on to a new project where we're working with our customer. They, they have four different construction sites two module fabrication yards for these prefab units yeah. and then a hundred different vendors that are feeding these fabrication yards. So they're doing modular construction, uh, which is great so that everything's supposed to show up at the site and all work together. Um, what we're helping them think through now is, all right, how is everybody going to use this, the same process? How is everybody going to use the same data structures, which, the default was, well, we're just going to contract it and let the contractors do their own thing. That's the way the industry typically does it. But then you're going to wind up with everything coming together at the job site and it doesn't fit together. You don't have the right data. Um, people, the, the, a lot of left-hand, right-hand problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is something that we need to solve in modular construction. And that is a perfect area for technology to deliver an immediate ROI. Um, and again, it's thinking through, okay, we're doing modular construction. What are the system? Let's think about it as a system, not as a whole bunch of individual modules. Yeah. So how do you bring that uh, kind of visibility and the, the knowledge further upstream instead of just keep on pushing it to the, the job site? So one is thinking about it early on. So one great thing about this customer who I unfortunately can't, I can't name yet, but um, what this customer is doing is they've brought us in very early. Construction is not going to start for a year, but which is very unusual for us to be brought onto the job site. We're normal. Are normally our customers are bringing us in kind of as construction starting, and then there's a lot of catch up. Yeah. But construction starting a year from now, and we're starting with the the tendering. So they they are this is the they're the owner, and then they're bidding they're they're bidding all this work out, and they asked us hey, help us develop a strategy for standardizing all the data structures. And we're starting our first, the first thing we just did last week is put language into their tendering documents to require consistent data usage, data structures, consistent technology usage across all of the vendors and modular, modular yards that are going to be on this project. And this is going to be a 10-year uh, effort with the, all the constructions happening in the United States, but the, the different modules are coming from all over the world. So it's a huge project. They're doing a great job of thinking in advance, how do we standardize all this? But one of the reasons they're thinking about it is because we did a big project with them a couple of years ago, and they saw the downside of not thinking about this stuff early on. Um, and now it's the same team doing it again, learning from all of their um, all the challenges they had before, which is fantastic. And I look forward to being able to share 
what they're doing in more detail. But I think that's the future is that the owners, the GCs have to be much more proactive about thinking through everything coming onto the job site, standardizing what the data about all of those, all of the, the people and equipment mm -hmm. and materials and parts that are coming in together. Think about it as a system, uh, not just as individual units, and then we'll figure it out when it gets here. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I really love that they were willing to, to learn from a, a past Absolutely. mistake and change it going forward. I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's and, the whole um, game, that's innovation. I really look forward to seeing what happens, you know, a year, two years from now, as we really get going on the project and bear fruit and all those that, that forethought bears fruit. Yeah. That's awesome. So what does innovation mean to you? Uh, innovation to me, uh, is similar to entre So innovation and entrepreneurship are two terms that are used different. They're used the same way. And, uh, a definition that I've used for entrepreneurship that I think also applies to innovation isn't about the money, isn't about raising venture capital. Uh, entrepreneurship is willing to think about how the status quo can change mm -hmm. and being able to take some sort of risk, whether it's career risk or financial risk or the risk of embarrassment or the risk of failure to change the status quo. And that's innovation, but that's also my definition of an entrepreneur is someone who's willing to do that. Yeah. I love that. I totally agree. Uh, how do people find out more information and, and connect with you? Sure. Best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. Just look up Matthew Kleiman at Cumulus. Uh, and then our website for our company is uh, Cumulus DS, is in Cumulus Digital Systems. So CumulusDS.com. But um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn and welcome anybody to connect and uh, learn about and exchange ideas. Awesome. Well, final question. If I could give yeah. you all power and you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the construction industry, what would you pick to innovate? Ooh, uh, great question. Um, think about it for a second. I would want to change. I would want to eliminate all paper from a job site. I think paper is uh, is, is the root cause having things on paper is the root cause of a lot of, a lot of problems, mistakes, and evils on the job site. And if we could get rid of it with a snap of our fingers so that we never have to see a piece of paper again, um, or fill out a form in the field again, um, that would take a, get us a long way, uh, towards, uh, towards where the construction industry wants to go. Yeah, that would be, uh, It'd be pretty revolutionary. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed the, the conversation. This was great. Thanks so much, Todd. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. Technology partners are a critical component in any successful implementation. Make sure you are relying on companies that come alongside of you when learning new tech. Second take, do not fall into the trap of keeping up with the Joneses. Instead, take the time to think through your business strategy and always be asking yourself, what are you trying to accomplish? Once you have that clearly defined, you will be able to decide what tech tools you need to fully accomplish your mission. And final take, look for ways to address and fix the systems instead of each individual part. 
I thought that was a great lesson learned from the aerospace industry that Matt brought up. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, Great Tech Group, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Tom Wyant, thanking you for joining the conversation to model the future on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is hosted, directed, and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2022.